0: Let's arise because today is Pentecost and we are going to worship God. And, um, you know, it was, it was that moment when uh, Jesus ascended into heaven and suddenly two men dressed in white are standing there with the 11 apostles. And in that great comic moment in Scripture, what you find are Jesus ascends into heaven and all the disciples are doing this. And these two men show up, and at this point, I love this humorous point. And the the men show up, and they say, "Hey, what are you doing looking up? You got work to do. You got stuff to do. You're now the church. You got you got a mission that you're on. So let's get on it, right? We're sending the Holy Spirit to empower you. We're going to get this thing going, right? So today we celebrate the birth of the church, right? That's what today is all about. There's going to be a potluck. We'll talk about it in a minute. But for right now. We do what the church is supposed to do best, and that is worship our Lord and Savior. And so we bring whatever we got, no matter how lousy of a singer you are, you belt it out and scare everybody away from you, it's just fine. You know, we'll play loud, and we shall worship God. So God, we give you what we have, what you see is what you get, and we're going to try and bring you our best in our worship. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's worship, guys. And so, Lord, uh, we offer up to you our praise, as humble as it might be, in hopes, God, in hopes that you turn your eyes towards us and we see your presence in our in our lives day after day. And all the people said, Amen. Amen. Have a seat, everyone. Thanks, guys. You guys sound really awesome today. It's a good day. Kind of gets us out of the gray and dreary out there. Is it still raining out there? Yes. Okay. I've been here for a while. Um, well I thought appropriate today for Pentecost that we would talk about calling and what is the nature of a calling, and do you have a calling? And what's it look like to have a calling if you don't feel like you've experienced a calling, especially talking about um, people graduating from high school, new members, you know, and other things like that. So we're going to go to 1 Samuel chapter 3 and look at Samuel. Now, the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. Okay, just a bit of background. So Samuel is the only child of Hannah, or Hannah, if you want to pronounce it uh, like Jewish pronunciation. And Hannah commits her child, Samuel, to serve in the temple um, under Eli, who's the old prophet at the time. And so, Samuel's probably seven or eight years old at this moment. And this morning, we'll run through his whole life. Okay, under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. That's a great euphemism. He's still kicking. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. You know, the ark of the covenant, you know, Raiders Lost Ark, that sort of thing. And then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, here I am, and ran to Eli and, and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I didn't call you. Lie down again. So he went to lay down. Lord called again. Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel didn't yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. This becomes important. The Lord called to Samuel again a third time. And he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. And then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore, Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. If he calls you again, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there calling as before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make both ears of anyone who hears it tingle. So, this is where we begin trying to understand calling. Today, the world celebrates, the Christian world celebrates Pentecost. 50 days after the resurrection, that's where the Pentecost comes in, right? After Easter, after the resurrection Sunday. The church on Pentecost then is born and it is commissioned and given the Holy Spirit of God to accomplish its mission. So just think about it for a moment. Jesus raises from the dead. He's an actual human being. He's a person. He's in his flesh. He's not just a spirit, despite whatever Bugs Bunny cartoon you saw, where wind's transparent and they're floating around on clouds with harps. Jesus is an actual human being. And he says, if I don't go to be with God, then I can't be with you. The Spirit of God's going to have to be with you, because I'm just, a, he's, to explain the details here in between the lines, I'm a single human being. I can't be everywhere at once. He'd be at the church down the street versus being here. And It's just not going to happen. Okay, got it. So Pentecost is the church's birthday when the Spirit comes, and we receive our marching orders on this day. This day, we reaffirm our calling as well as a church, as well as individual Christians. Each and every Christian, brothers and sisters, is called by God. You may be called to the marketplace. You may be called to the working world. You may be called to profit or not-for-profit. Some are called to the helping professions. Education or medicine or military, law enforcement, social work, teachers, or whatever. You may be called to work in the home. You may be called to work out of the home. Uh, Marriage and parenting is a calling. That may be your stage of life right now where you're at. Artists are called. Politicians are called. They're called a lot of things. Some are called to radical activism in the name of Jesus Christ. Some are called to be monks. And and call to a radical silence and solitude and pray on behalf of the world. How's that for thoughts and prayers? Some are called uh, to go into the urban core or go to the worst places in the world, like Calcutta, like Mother Teresa did, and hold leprous children. And some some are called even to be martyrs, and that's why the color on Pentecost is red. Because it is the blood of the martyrs that's the seed of the gospel, as Tertullian said some 1,800 years ago. Now, your calling may not be clean, and it may not be clear. It may be a very bumpy road. You may have done outright evil, broken law, served time. You don't know. But still you are called by God. The journey goes on. It moves forward despite its rough and arduous road that we all call life. We are not perfect, but our calling remains true because it comes from God. So let me take you through this, the classic stages of calling. i am just reduced it down to three, three basic ones. There are three stages. If you felt like penciling these down with your little golf pencil on the paper, just to keep you engaged here, that's great. Um, but uh, these are the stages of calling that you can identify. See if you can see these have happened or happening in your life right now, these three stages of calling, all right? So... Um, I think this makes good sense to go through this for freshly minted high school graduates as well as new members and so forth. So, um, Samuel's a boy. Okay, I'm going to use Samuel as my model here for these stages, all right? Samuel's a boy, and Samuel's mother pledged him to the temple, like I said, and God calls Samuel, but Samuel doesn't recognize the Lord's voice yet. In the early days of your calling, folks, your calling, we spend our time attempting to learn how to recognize the voice of God. This is your early faith journey. This is the early stage in life, for that matter. Your job, if you're young and you're early in your Christian life, is to find out what the voice of God sounds like. You can read the Bible, you can study the Bible, you can read books on what other people said about the Bible, you can listen to teaching on what other people say about the Bible. We ask hard questions. We have doubts. We do a lot of yeah buts. What about this? What about that? That's all perfectly legitimate when you're trying to discern and understand what the voice of the Lord sounds like. What you have to understand then is that the boy Samuel, what we need to learn from him is that he placed himself in the temple. I mean, at least his mother did. He was in the right location. He was in the right environment. In order to hear the voice of God, this is critical. If you don't provide yourself with a surrounding, the right spiritual environment, it's hard to learn to understand what God is saying to you in your life. Okay? Very critical, and oftentimes we miss this in the scripture, but he's actually in the temple. He goes on to be a prophet and a judge, which we'll get to in a moment. If we don't do this in our youth, we will be like somebody who stumbles into a dark garage finds a hammer, and is suddenly convinced that everything around them is a nail. And that's what happens when you're young. You get one right thing, and you apply it to everything. And you're trying to discern who's right and who's wrong, what do I believe, what I don't believe, who do I belong to, and who's, who do I not belong to. That's the early stages. Of all of this is about discerning what is God saying. And it's a difficult thing to do, and you'll have to put the energy into it. Right? You'll have to go to the clearing or a small group, ask questions, talk to me, talk to one of the other pastors, somebody you respect around here, whatever you need to do. Yet God calls you. Yet God calls you even though you don't know his voice yet. Now in the Bible, in the lives of many God-fearers, there comes then stage number one, the divine confrontation. And it comes, the divine confrontation comes, even though you're not clear about God's voice, just like Samuel. Was it Eli or was it God? Eli gets smart, says, just say to the voice that you hear, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That'll get you going. That'll be just a good start. So, stage one. Samuel, Samuel. Notice that Samuel, okay, the boy Samuel, does not ask God to speak, right? Right? He didn't go seeking God. He just simply responds to God saying, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. But he didn't initiate the conversation. God initiates the divine confrontation, stage one. God is the initiator. It's hard for us to get God to move because we oftentimes want wrong things from God. It's not a clean ask. Okay? Okay? Now when God starts the conversation, right? He becomes obedient at this point. This is the other critical little moment here in his calling and responding to a calling. What you have to be able to say without knowing what you're getting into, without knowing what you're getting into, "Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I will obey." You don't know what's going to happen, but this is how it happens when you hear the voice of God. Right? It happens over and over. Moses, then, has a divine confrontation. It's the burning bush. Take off your sandals, Moses. You're on holy ground. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know what I was getting into. I was just looking for the funny light up in the hill. Mary, the mother of Jesus, has a divine confrontation. The angel says, you shall conceive of the holy, by the Holy Spirit and give birth to a Savior. Peter, the apostle Peter, has a divine confrontation. Peter has a vision, taking a nap in the afternoon, up on the roof, waiting for dinner to be served. And the sheet descends from heaven with all sorts of non-kosher foods. Peter, being a good Jew, is told to eat the non-kosher food. All right? The new church is called into the Gentile world because of this vision that Peter has. It's no longer just for the Jews. And that's why we're all here. Right? Being non-Jews, I assume. Right? By the way, these confrontations, this is my observation, these confrontations oftentimes challenge people's cultural assumptions, such as in a racist society, somebody is told to be open to another race. Or in a kosher society, somebody is told to eat non kosher food. Something in the culture, their own culture's taboo, gets challenged. It's not a piece of factual information. It's something deeply ingrained in your tribe that gets challenged. I could say much more about this as far as our political, cultural I mean our political milieu right now, about what God may be saying and challenging us, but I'm not going to. The divine confrontation comes. What about you? Have you had a divine confrontation? Has God spoken to you? Do you know how to recognize the voice of God? Have you been obedient to listen? Now, graduates, you guys are just graduating from high school. Now is your perfect time to be asking of God. Speak, God, your servant is listening. This is how we learn to recognize God's voice. You begin to pray. Prayer comes, everyone, by creating the right space. You see, guys, here's here's a little bit of a... Something that gets missed. We think spirituality, like everything in life, is built upon learning and information and education. But the spiritual life, the soul, is more developed by the right space and the right place at the right time. You put yourself in the right place. Samuel's in the temple. You need to go on retreat. You need to go camping. You need to go fishing. You need to go mow the lawn. You need to go chop wood. You need to do something rhythmic and laborious, laborious, Laborious. and God will speak in the space of doing something rhythmic. God hardly speaks to us while we're answering email. Too much cognition going on. You need to do something mindless. So, moms, dads, that's why you need to give your graduate all that hard landscaping work to do. (laughs) Just saying. That's where God speaks. Take a walk. Go for a hike. Go running. Whatever you might do. That's how you learn how to pray, everyone. It's not a seminar. It's practiced in the right place at the right time. So, graduates, you're pursuing education and career. And have you, asked to stop the, have you stopped to ask, what does God desire for you? Or are your good parents who wants you to actually make some money so you can stop asking for it, guiding you. They want you to, to grow up and be responsible and be well and do all that kind of good stuff and make a living. But maybe not the very first thing they ask is, are you at the feet of Jesus? Well, that's what I'm saying to you. That's your first move. You have the world before you to whom are you listening? After the divine confrontation comes the second stage, the commissioning. The commission comes. After divine confrontation comes the commission. The commission is a direct command of God. This is the pattern we find in the scriptures. The task is given by God, the task is at hand. It's simple, it's short, and it's easy. You will not understand it necessarily, but it is very direct. God tells you what God wants you to do. Abram is told to go to a land he knew nothing about, leave his father's religion, his his father's land and home, and go find this place where God will lead him. So he just takes off with his flocks and family and the few possessions that he has. Elijah is told to hand over his office as chief, chief prophet. Elijah gives away the prophet role to Elisha. Very simple. Just do that. Sounds really hard. He just gave up his whole career, his job. Joseph is told to marry his fiancée, Mary, even though she's pregnant. Marry the girl. Sounds simple. Really, really hard to do. Peter, the good Jew, is told to go to the home of a Gentile, Cornelius, and eat with Cornelius, eat non-kosher food, and share with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Very direct, very simple it sounds like, very hard to do. It violates your person, oftentimes. Now, the God commission is not for the weak of heart. It will take fortitude. The God commission is incredibly challenging, and it's challenging to your assumptions about life. It's one thing to say, speak, for your servant is listening. And it's another thing to do as God directs. Because you know what, folks? Nobody ever says no to God's voice. They just say, not yet. I'm not ready. It's actually just saying no. What God expects is to say, speak, Lord, for your servant's listening. I will obey. Even though you don't know what you're getting yourself into. That's why you have to be strong. It's not for the weak of heart. It's a terrifying thing to fall in the hands of the living God. So it says in Scripture. And I don't think it's any different today. Now, in the Bible, when people are commissioned, they naturally then have questions and doubts. It's okay to have questions and doubts. I mean, after all, you're like, did I really hear the voice of God? I mean, What does that sound like? Am I going crazy? Granted, that's totally legit. Moses. He says back to God, I'm not a good talker. I'm not a public speaker. I, I don't know what my problem And, you know, and God says, that's okay. I'll take care of it. Aaron will speak for you. Peter, no, God, that's, not, that's against the law. That's non-kosher food, Lord. That's unlawful. I'm breaking the law by doing that. He goes anyway. Mary, how can I give birth when I'm a virgin? Jesus, on the night of his arrest. My father, if it's possible, let this cup pass for me. Yet not as I will, but your will be done. It's fine to question God. It's okay to doubt and ask, how? How is that going to happen? It's not okay to say, I don't want to. After all, it's often been said, doubt is the ants in the pants of faith. That's what's going to fire you up. If your God commission doesn't raise doubts, Listen more closely. I don't think you heard it clearly. Because the questions are going to come if it's got any kind of fire going to it. Right? That's the way it goes. Samuel's God commission is that he grows up, and so now we're growing up Samuel. He's no longer a boy. And as a matter of fact, he grows up pretty quick and becomes middle-aged, on to old in the story in the book of Samuel, first book of Samuel. And he becomes prophet and judge. He has two roles. It's kind of a rare thing, but uh, in that days, this is about 1100 B.C., before the Common Era, and uh, he's prophet and judge. So just to distinguish what's the difference between a prophet and a judge, a judge decides between people to people, person to person, and a, a prophet discerns between the people and God. Okay? Judge adjudicates people. Prophet adjudicates between God and people. All right? Got it? It's a pretty simple little distinction. So as prophet... Um, I mean, as judge, Samuel is on a, he's a circuit judge, basically, and he travels around. You know, you're talking the Holy Land over there, so he's only traveling 20, 25 miles, any given distance, so forth. Maybe 50 miles at the greatest if you went from top to bottom, you know, over there in Israel. And, uh, and he's traveling around, and he's deciding things for people. He also hears what everybody's talking about, right? So, and then he tells them now and then what God's talking about, right? What's God want for him? Well, guess what Samuel begins to hear as he's out on his circuit being judged? Everywhere he goes, he begins to hear from the people. They all say, we want to have a king. We want to be like all the other nations around us. They all have kings, and we don't have a king. We want to be like our neighbors. You know, the Hittites have them, and the uh, Philistines have them. All these other people have kings, and we don't have one. Well, that's not really true. Because for the Hebrews, God was their king. <laughs> and that's why they didn't have an earthly secular king. And so what you get, if you read between the lines, is that they're rejecting God as their king. Not going to turn out good. So Samuel talks to God. He says, "You hear what they're saying? You hear what the early people want, God? They want a king. You know, one of those kind of kings who confiscate your vineyards and your orchards for their own table. You know, one of those kind of kings who conscript your sons and daughters as soldiers and servants and make them go fight wars that they don't have a dog in the fight for. You know, those kind of kings who tax the bejeebers out of you and live high on the lamb. Not the hog because it's kosher. And, And, you know, and God tells Samuel, and this is where I go, I always have to go my rabbi mode, you know. They want a king. Give them a king. What else are we going to do? Let's give him a king. Samuel, go find a king for him. I'll tell you who to pick out. So God gives them what they want, and they pick out a man, the very first king of Israel. It's around 1000 B.C. Saul, King Saul. Oh, man. Saul fits the bill for a king, doesn't he? Good looking, tall, fearless in battle, looked like a good warrior, could carry the big sword, you know, popular, life of the party, good family lineage. He fits the bill. He's got one glaring problem. He does not have a spiritual taproot. He does not have a strong faith. He does not know the voice of God very well. But nobody cares because they wanted a king. And because he doesn't have a deep spiritual taproot, he chokes in the heat of battle against the Philistines, and thousands die. Of course, you know, the people do what people do, and they blame Samuel, and they blame God for their mistake. And that's what we call a calling. Where Samuel takes the blunt for somebody else's choice. All right, third part. In your stages. The third part of a calling is what we call the sign. And I'm not talking like the scary movie. I'm just saying the sign. Callings do not always have a sign. They don't always have a confirmation from God. But sometimes they do. Moses doubts his calling. So God tells him place your hand inside your robe. And when Moses pulls it out it's totally white with leprosy. The skin's falling off. Put it back in. Bring it back out. It's clean. Phew. That was his sign, all right, that God was with him, all right? Uh, let's see, John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus, and Jesus comes up out of the water, and a dove descends, it looks like a dove, and there's a thunderous voice of heaven. Clearly, this is a sign. This is my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him, comes a voice from heaven. You know, what's interesting is, is some of the people couldn't recognize the voice of God, and all they heard was thunder. But for those, John the Baptist and Jesus and some of the few others, they heard the voice of God. They could understand what was said. Because they knew how to listen to God. Personally, even though everybody thinks they want a sign from God, I, I, don't think, I don't think a sign does what everybody wants it to do. When you imagine, like, I need a sign from God. Just give me a sign, Lord. You know, you want a sign from God. I I don't think, I'm not sure you really do. Because what a sign does, what you think is you're going to get like all sorts of like, if I just had a sign, I'd know for sure what I'm supposed to do. The problem is, if you get a sign, you're going to know for sure what you're supposed to do. That's the problem. Because now there's no turning back. Now you know for sure what you've been called to do. The very thing you didn't want to do, because that's what you're really trying to do. You're like, I'm not really sure that's really clear, you know, like I'm supposed to marry that girl or something like that. Well, now you know. Oh, well, there's no turning back now. Signs then throw us into chaos (laughs) because the sign tells you that there's no wiggle room left anymore. Now you're full on. So here's my call story I was about 25, 26 years old, and uh, I'm living with some other men. Uh, We were all sharing a house together over in Prairie Village. And we all went to work each day. Everybody got up, cleared out of the house, you know, by 8. And I was working in the trucking business and in the uh, general aviation business and the computer support side of things. And I was in marketing. At the same time, since the time I was 16 years old, so for 10 years, I had been volunteering with an organization, a ministry called Young Life. And Young Life uh, ministers to teenagers and shares the Christian life with them. So that's what I've been doing is pouring my life into teenagers for 10 years, volunteer. Sometimes as much as 20 hours a week going on trips. It was a blast. I loved loved Young Life. That's good. I loved Young Life, and it was really fun. I still love Young Life. It's totally a part of me. So here I am going to work, you know, and we begin, you know, you begin to kind of figure out, that the working world, this is what's going to happen. You know, you begin to mow the lawn in your black socks that you wore to the office because you don't want to dirty up some white ones, you know, and you begin to put on the uniform, not the suit and tie. The uniform is what you put on, guys, right? Am I going to get some nods out of this? The uniform is what you put on when you come home from work, right? You put on the same shorts and the T-shirt because you say to yourself, what's four days? I'm not going to, like, put on some brand-new clothes, you know, like, so you just put on the uniform, and you wear the black socks, you cut the grass, and then that's what, anyway, is this TMI? Maybe so. Uh, so this is what we were doing, all of us guys. And I'm doing my ministry thing, and I'm seeking God. I had a faint idea in the back of my mind, like, I wonder what it would be like to go to seminary and, like, learn something. I'm not a wonderful student, but I'd love to learn more. I was hungry for God. Ah. I wanted to learn more. I sat and I read my Bible. I read books about what the Bible said. I studied. I loved it. I ate it up. I just thought that's what Christians do. Right? So one Sunday, I go to church. I went to early service because, you know, what what person who gets up and goes to work every day can actually sleep in? I never could. You know, even at 25, 26 years old. You could try, but you just lay there. So I got up, went to service. I got back to the house. All the other guys had gone off to church. And I'm sitting there on the sofa drinking coffee on Sunday morning, right? Out of the blue, unsolicited, unknown, suddenly in my mind's eye, I see an ocean of people. Like the Ozark Mountains, when you look out over those, I see this ocean of people just sitting there on the sofa. And I believe God's voice says to me, know as many faces as you can. That's it. Back to drinking coffee almost. Except I began to cry. And I've thought about it over the years. Like, why did I begin to cry? I began to cry because I knew my life was over at that point. I knew my agenda was gone. I no longer was owned by the suit or by my accomplishments or anything else. I knew at that point I was possessed by God's call. I had no idea what that looked like. I had no thought. I wasn't told anything like that. So I didn't actually get the like, direct thing, what you're supposed to do, except for know as many faces as, you, as possible. Three years later, I married Lori. And even while we were dating, you know, um, I said, what do you think, like, if we went to seminary? I said I'm just a business guy. So maybe I'd be like a church executive or something, you know, and just kind of cuz I could do the budget and I knew marketing. And I could bring to bear the, the, whatever the church says the vision is. I could probably like bring that to bear, you know, and make all the resources focus in on that vision. I could pull that off, you know. So we started a church. And that's how it all kind of got going. Questions, doubts, trouble, hardship, Bumps in the road? Oh, yeah, you bet. It's all right there. Sammy went on to pick a new king after Saul, after Saul had bombed. And that new king was not slick looking. He wasn't good looking. He didn't carry a mighty sword. He was a shepherd boy named David. The last, the runt. That's who's going to be the famous person in the Bible, King David, the one who has a heart after God. That was the one qualifier for his calling. That's the king that God said, we can put up with this king thing as long as we have someone like David. Maybe you don't have much going for you these days. Maybe you feel like a shepherd boy. You know, you got a slingshot and five smooth stones. But maybe you're, you're called to slay a giant, a champion, Goliath. Maybe it's something in your own life. Maybe it's some problem. Maybe you're being called beyond yourself. Maybe God's challenging you. Parents, your prayer for your children is that they would be David, pursuing Goliath or Esther going before the king or Ruth or Mary or Peter or any of the rest of these people who are just nobodies who ended up doing spectacular things for heaven's sake simply because they said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. That's what you're being called to do. This is what makes a difference in the world, church. This is the commissioning of the church. This is what we are supposed to do. This is what we've been called to. And it may be in the workplace, and it may be in the home, and it may be in the ministry. It may be anywhere. Because all the Holy Spirit needs is you. That's all it needs in order to change the world. This is what you've been doing. Speak and seek out. Speak to the Lord. Speak, your servant is listening, and seek out that calling. Do everything you can. Maybe it'll have a sign, maybe it will. Maybe it'll have a commissioning. It'll probably have some kind of word from God. But it will certainly have a confrontation if you put yourself in the right place at the right time. And avail yourself to God. Be obedient to seeking after him. And you don't know what's going to happen. If you're not ready for that, then go back to the feet of Jesus. So you can say, here I am, God. What you see is what you get. Take me and possess me. Grandparents, this is what you pray for your grandkids. Yeah. Parents, this is what you hope for. Students, watch out. So, Lord, we come into your presence on this Pentecost When you sent out so many people, some to their martyrdom, others to glory, some messed up. Oh, but Lord, so many millions have changed the world in the name of Jesus Christ in such a good way. Here in our midst, Lord, with these students and these members, may we be those people who change the world in a good way in the name of Jesus Christ, in the name of love and truth. Come, Holy Spirit, and we all said amen. Well, Adam, Adam Lips, come on up, because we have time now to bring on our recently graduated people and recognize them, yeah, Yeah. and commission them.
1: Yeah, this is is an exciting, I think bittersweet, though. This is probably one of the most bittersweet times in our ministry, uh, working with students, it's, uh, you know, it's bitter because we're losing some amazing students. Uh, they're, they're moving on and they're, they're leaving us for, uh, for awesome things, yeah. but um, it's sweet because it's exciting for the students mm. and, and it gives us a chance to celebrate them and that's, that's really fun and amazing too. So what we're going to do today is we're going to call up uh, graduating seniors. I'm going to go through my list uh, and announce our graduates and if you are here, graduates, we would like you to come up and yeah. form a little line here on the back of the stage. And we'll yeah, Dan and I will move to the sides and let you guys take the middle. And then uh, I think we'll have a we'll have a commissioning prayer. And uh, yeah, so this will be like graduation number two. I'll be calling off the names. It just keeps on coming. That's right. You know. Okay, so Henry Barr. Henry Barr graduated from Blue Springs South High School. And Henry plans on attending the University of Missouri and pursuing a degree in engineering and math, M-I-Z. Brandon Bronson. Brandon graduated from Lee Summit North High School and has already received an associate's degree in computer science from the Metropolitan Community Colleges. No PhD yet. We've been, we've been doing with your time. Brandon is, uh, he'll be attending the University of Central Missouri, uh, majoring in systems engineering technologies. Devin Durbin graduated from Lee Summit North High School, and Devin will be attending MCC Business and Technology School, pursuing a building information modeling certificate for his employment with Honeywell. Wow. Nathan Fleming. Nathan graduated from Lee Summit North High School. And Nate is doing something kind of amazing. I told him he's taken the European model of the gap year. He's taken some time off to travel and then yeah. hopes to pursue a possibly a music composition degree at UMKC after that. Andy Huffman graduated from Lee Summit High School. And Andy will be attending the Missouri University of Science and Technology and pursuing a degree in engineering management and industrial engineering. And Andy will be on the swim team there. Yeah. Levi Madden graduated from Lee Summit North High School. Uh, Levi will be attending Missouri University of Science and Technology and uh, for a mechanical engineering degree. And I don't think Levi was able, he was driving back today and not able to make it. Uh, Michael McCoy graduated from Lee Summit North High School and the Cass Career Center's fire science program. And Michael will be pursuing a career as a firefighter. Mm -hmm. Sophie Roach graduated from Lee Summit West High School. And Sophie will be moving to Monterey, Mexico, to work with an after-school program helping third through fifth graders. Yeah. Uh, Lily Shepner is graduating from a homeschool program. And we actually weren't able to, to get Lily's uh, next step. So if you see Lily, then you should ask her. I will be, too, what she's doing next. Michael Schwetz graduated from Lee Summit North High School. Michael will be enlisting in the Missouri National Guard and enrolling at the Missouri University of Science and Technology in the fall of 2019. Brett Spencer graduated from Holden High School, and Brett is undecided on specific next steps. Evan Stoffer graduated from Blue Spring South High School, and he will be attending Ames Community College in Greeley, Colorado, and majoring in accounting. <laughs> so just as a personal thing for you, you graduates, um, we'll, be definitely, we'll definitely miss you guys, and we'll be sad to see you leave, but I'm super excited just hearing all of these amazing, exciting plans to see what you guys will be doing next. And now Dan will be leading us in a commissioning right. prayer.
0: i got a prayer for you guys and a commissioning. And so everyone stand. You're ready to stand anyway, aren't you? And we have our part to do here at the end, okay? Now, O oh God, who called Abraham, Moses, Samuel, Esther, Ruth, Elijah, John, Mary, Paul, and Lydia, and many others, call out your servant. My phone is ringing because God <laughs> says it's time to pray. It is my prayer thing, so I guess it all works together. (laughs) Call out your servants to the task you've given them, Lord. And may they first learn to recognize your voice. May they first sit at your feet, Jesus, and possess the one thing necessary. May they walk all their days under your watchful eyes, O Lord. And may they be guided and reliant upon your hand, O God. And may they trust in you and not in the strength of their own arm. May they learn to distinguish what is true and what is false. Plant them in good soil so they may yield a bountiful harvest for your kingdom. And your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And so now everyone, look at the screen. And now send us, Lord. No turning back, hand to the plow, eyes only on Jesus. No shifting shadow, no drifting sand for the race set before us. One step at a time, give us each day our daily bread and send us back into our lives to be light and salt to a lost and lonely world in the name of Jesus. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Thank you, graduates. Congratulations. (laughs)
1: <laughs> follow along with us as we bless you, the pastors bless you. You can
0: follow along with us and bless each other. So, this is from Acts where the Holy Spirit does come. And up we're all reading to this together? We're reading it together. Okay. Acts 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be, and be baptized, every one of you, of in you, the name in of, of Jesus Christ, Christ so, so that, that your, your sins, sins may be forgiven, forgiven and, and you, you will receive, receive the gift of the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. For the, the promises for you. you For For your your children children, and and for for all all who who are far away, everyone whom whom the Lord our God calls to him. Go in peace. Amen.